0: So we're here with Gilbert Corrales, co-founder and CEO of LeafGrow, a simple, powerful automation and insights platform for paid social. LeafGrow specializes in performance marketing for entertainment, retail, and e-commerce companies. So very excited to have him with us today. We're going to be talking broadly about e-commerce and more specifically, Gilbert's observations on how to build a direct-to-consumer brand today in an era when it has perhaps never been easier to start a store. Uh, but also, perhaps, never been harder to grow a store sustainably, given competition from Amazon, given hundreds of thousands of direct consumer competitors. Um, Gilbert, welcome, to the, welcome to the to the summit. Thank you for being here. Can you tell us your story and start wherever wherever you'd like listeners to 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 begin with?
1: Yeah. No. Th- thanks for having us. And I mean, it's great, as you said, we're probably living in this weird. Uh, you know, time of age in, in, the, in this whole technology and consumer uh, world, but probably more so in the last three months. And, you know, with all of the COVID transformation, we've seen the acceleration of what we thought was gonna be the development of the next three years really being accelerated in three months. And I think we're never gonna go back. I think consumers in itself are never gonna go back. Uh, so yes, yeah, how do you navigate these waters? And how do you make the most? Uh, For LEAF, we started as a a consumer brand. We started as a direct-to-consumer offering, connecting musicians and fans around the world. And the the whole mission for LEAF, although it's changed slightly, the core of it has not changed. When we started LEAF, we wanted to empower musicians to engage, grow, and monetize audiences at global scale. Um, Now, that mission has, you know, expanded broadly. uh, And now, you know, we're empowering not just musicians, but we're now empowering uh, any kind of business really to engage, grow, and monetize audiences. Which, at the end of the day, you know, it's what you know, Live, grow is growth really all about. We realized early on that the same methodologies that we built ourselves to reach to fans, the right fan, um, really apply to consumers and really apply to e-commerce. Right? Because at the end of the day, like you said. Uh, more than ever just as it is easy to create music in your bedroom with a laptop or an ipad or even your phone uh you know like uh, getting to your fans and finding those fans is difficult the same thing applies to consumers right it's super easy you know to set up your shop to set up your store whether you're buying product uh you know somewhere in the world or you're producing your own product and then you're trying to sell it you know getting up and running is not the difficult part, it's really finding those customers and finding the right customers and building those relationships over time. And that's I think where, where we come in. for sure.
0: well, take us take us a little bit into your personal story, if you can. I mean, you've had a fascinating career as a technologist, a research scientist, um, you know a design professor, an entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> can you give can you give listeners a sense of what you know kind of the steps you've taken to to be where you are today?
1: yeah i was thinking about that yesterday when i was speaking to a friend and i think the one thing that has been constant is to remain naive and i think you know this is something that i've been telling a lot of people it's like if there is something you need to be is naive you know try to wake up every morning uh and try to see the world as if you were looking at it for the first time you know that goes to your profession that goes for everything that you do because it is the minute that you think, that you know, things start going down. Because suddenly, you know, like you start uh, looking yourself for new, you know, new differences, right? For you to be start, you know, looking at how do you, um, you know, what the changes are really in, uh, in the system. And I think it's in you being able to you know, spot those changes and being able to take advantage of those changes, uh, is what has got us, you know, at least personally, where where I am, and you know it has really really been part of my journey in many ways. And I think uh, we've been able to to bring it as part of the company and as part of our culture. So I think that's that's kind of like being key, you know, to all the different things that you said I am <laughs> uh, or have <laughs> been. Uh, but it's that you know remain naive because uh, it's how you you adapt really
0: makes sense. I love that. I mean, it's such a good motto to live by. Um, So give us a little bit more specificity around around LEAF. Um, Maybe start with if you you guys are serving e-commerce companies, e-commerce brands that are selling direct to consumer, how are they leveraging uh, your tools and your services?
1: Yeah, so LEAF has uh, two components to it. So one is the platform and the platform, what it does is that it abstracts about 80% uh, of the complexity of setting up your Facebook ad campaigns or your space social campaigns, right? That, that includes Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, you know, so on. Um, and the reason we started with that part is because, you know, uh, you know, uh, walking into business ads manager, it's like walking into the cockpit of a 737, right? There is like, a, like one button to every single knob that you can change or touch, right? That doesn't mean Right? that you need to touch or you know, make sense of all of those things. But if you know the combination and the right combination of those things, it makes it powerful, right? And it can make, you know, one of those variances can make a big difference in your, in your growth. So for us, it was about, you know, when, when we started in, you know, leaf grow, we built it for ourselves, really, is we wanted to figure a way that we could iterate over those variables fast enough so that we will, you know, find out what would the right combination would be both of the setup as well as you know the creatives as well as the audiences so that you know we will be able to extract and grow you know faster not with cheap audiences but with the right audiences and I think there is a big difference in that right cheap audiences you know like you can you can get them everywhere right but the right audience and the right audience means you know the people that will buy your product stick with you the most you know like people who actually get what you do uh, is difficult to get to, right? So we did that. Um, and, you know, that's really what Live, Grow is. Um, we've worked very close with Facebook on, on some of the stuff that we've done. Um, and then parallel to that, we offer, you know, Live, Grow as a service, which is, you know, us, you know, working with brands and working with retailers, you know, uh, around the world, you know, helping them, you know, make sense of all this and build these, you know, kind of like growth engines, right? I mean, we don't, we don't try to work, you know, to win a Lion cannons, you know, like award with like the coolest, you know, most amazing ad. What we want is to help you build sustainable, profitable businesses. And that's where we focus, right? And that's on the performance part. So um, platform is great for people that already has experience with, with ads manager, uh, uh, or at least some. Uh, and you know how you're structuring your campaigns, you know, although the, the platform, you know, will help you and will guide you to do a lot of those things. Um, but if not, the is you know, it's a great way for you to, you know, to tap and take advantage on thousands of companies that we've run on behalf of, you know, customers, big and small. Got it. And
0: the, the customers that are gonna get the most value out of either the platform or the combination of platform and services are these, um, you know, Shopify brands that are, you know, just getting off the ground, or are these, you know, half a million dollar businesses, or are these more mature businesses doing multiple millions of dollars in revenue on a monthly basis? How do you think about the target, the
1: target um, uh, yeah, e-commerce I mean, at this we, point? Yeah, we, I mean, we have about everything, you know, and, and the great thing about this is that businesses grow with us, right? At the end of the day, for us to be able to be delivering on our mission, it means that the customers are growing. With ourselves right and we're helping those customers grow so whether you are you know an established retailer and looking at how do you you know build your uh uh you know kind of like your paid social strategy and you know either moving from a ppc world into like a paid social world because you're balancing you know uh the channels out um you know we have a solution for that right i mean we work with companies that are you know 150 million pound you know uh, a year sales, you know, and upwards, you know, handling you know hundreds of thousands of marketing spend, as well as taking businesses, you know, uh, that were doing six grand a month in sales, uh, and they're doing now, you know, close to two million in sales, right? So I mean, I think it's that journey and uh, helping people, you know, to really, uh, you know, develop that 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 dream of sorts in the offering.
0: That's awesome. Well, so let's let's kind of zoom out a little bit um, into what's happening in the world of e-commerce. Um, you know, one of the things that I think people talk a lot about is this idea of an explosion in the number of direct consumer businesses, um, facilitated by you know platforms like Shopify that have made it easier to start the store, platforms like Stripe. Um, And certainly Google, Facebook, Instagram, which have made it so easy to advertise to really targeted niches. Um, That explosion in the number of stores led to um, maybe a million Shopify stores and maybe kind of three million um, e-commerce brands across several other platforms. Um, So just trying to kind of size up how big this has gotten. Um, We've also seen over the last few years with all of those brands advertising on the same platforms, um, advertising become harder, advertising become more expensive. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's kind of become evident that to build sustainably with good CAC, with good LTV is getting much harder than it was maybe two, three, four years ago. And to your point, COVID is accelerating things at a rate that is unprecedented. So can you wax for us or riff for us around what you see the best direct-to-consumer brands doing to differentiate today. Is there a playbook? Are there kind of basic steps that they all take? Are there patterns? What do you
1: see? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, as I said, is, is more than ever, you have to remain naive because things are changing every single day. Now, obviously, there are the basics. And, uh, you know, one of the first things that, you know, probably I'll say, Three things that we do with every customer is, you know, um, we try to understand the unique economics, right? And, and make sure that they understand the unique economics. Uh, you, you know, you will be surprised. Just to interrupt you. Do, you
0: have, do they often know their unit economics? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you will be
1: surprised, you know, <laughs> uh, how, how often that not people don't know the unique economics, or at least they don't understand what the unique economics are, right? so. Step number one is making sure that, you know, we understand the, the playing field, right? And the reason for that is everybody wants 10X return on ad spend, right? Or 20X, or 100X, right? Whether that's feasible because of the vertical where you're in, uh, or because, you know, like your offering where you're in or not, that's a different story, right? Uh, things like makeup, right, or, 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 you know, like personal care, you know, like the returning investments are low, on that per transaction unit, right? But you're not building towards that, you're building towards the lifetime value of that transaction, right? So you need to understand that, you know, is it your aim to make, you know, the full revenue on that or the full profit on that one transaction? Or are you using that first transaction almost like an acquisition of the customer? And then, you know, you um, you will deliver, you know, the, the profit overall the experience you know the, the, or the or the lifetime of that customer uh whereas it's different as you know we have a client of ours that sells baby bibs right so it's not like you're buying you know baby bibs every month or every week or whatever right i mean uh, so therefore for a company like his or an offering like this it is important to you know realize the profit on that first transaction so First of all, is understand your unique economics. Understand you know how your your profit is built, and how do you realize that profit, right? Second is uh, we do an audit on all the pixel setup, events tracking, all that because it's key. Again, you know stores like Shopify makes it super easy uh, for you to just place your Facebook pixel or you know like your Google Analytics, whatever you know that you're tracking, you know, and put there now. Problem is, is that platforms like Shopify, just as they make it easy for you to put your pixel in it, it, they also make it super easy for you to put plugins, right? And a lot of people, you know, put plugins there, you know, if you have, you know, access, you know, like the random, you know, Shopify store, you will have the wheel with offers, you will have, you know, all these different little things that are out there. What people don't realize is that some of those plugins require some extra setup, To make sure that they're tracking the right events, because sometimes those will block the event. So you need to make sure that as you add plugins, right? It doesn't mean that you know the plugins are bad. They're great. You know, with a lot of power comes a lot of uh, responsibility that you need to you know to have in place. Um, And the third one, right? It's understand uh, who your potential target audiences are, right? And then use those as hypotheses rather than you know as a given. Because a lot of people think that they know who their audience are, Uh, but, you know, you need to be open again to to be surprised. And what you're going to do with your campaigns and as you grow is you're going to be, you know, not only proving those hypotheses right, but also understand how your audience evolves because as with everything in life, those things evolve. And I think, you know, having those three things, and I guess, you know, it goes back to, you know, other than the you know, the, the pixel and stuff, you know, it's remaining naive, you know, understanding, you know, the playing field that you're, that you're playing on and understanding that every day is a different day, which means that, you know, it's not one of those things, you know, set it and forget it, you know, get rich quick, you know, type of schemes.
0: I love this. I mean, that's super tangible. Um, can we step back a second to the, when you, when you guys take a, take on a new customer and you're evaluating the unit economics, Can you just walk through like what what that terrain looks like? What are the unit economics that matter um, for the the standard
1: e-commerce business? Yeah, um, I mean, the the basic two is, you know, like cost of production and, you know, cost of shipping or, you know, like the operational aspect, right? You need to understand those two very, very good. The third one is how you realize your revenue or your profit, right? Like, is it on that first transaction or is it on the lifetime value of that? And, you know, even planning for that is key, right? It's like, how are you going to get the customer to come back, right? How are you going to get the customer, you know, to to kind of like have that, you know, kind of like what we call the flywheel of sorts, right? Like you need to build that, you know, and you have to have it in your mind because it's like, how do you will build, you know, that means that, you know, if you're um, betting on a product that people are going to be consuming, you know, on a, on a regular basis, then that means that, you know, your profit margins, potentially could be lower, right? Uh, because then, you know, you're, you're banking on that long-term relationship. Whereas it is if it is on one transaction, then your profit margins should allow for your cost of acquisition, which in this case is, you know, is either ads or whatever it is that you're investing, right? Um, your cost of production, um, your shipping costs and all those things, but also the profit that you wanna, you know, realize in the business. And you want to make sure that that profit right, and the opportunity that is, is, that is that is taxed on top of it, make it you know profitable enough to, for you to justify being in business, right? I mean, which again, right, I mean, a lot of people don't realize those type of things, and these are, you know, it's not hard, but it's, um, you know, as I was saying to, to somebody, it's not rocket science, but it's a, it's a science. At the end of the day, you wanna make sure that, you know, you have that little spreadsheet, you know, set up and that you understand and you can model, you know, those different things, because then that will help you uh, set some benchmarks. And, you know, in our case, you know, one of the things that we do with our clients is that, you know, we, we, we set those benchmarks, right. It's like, what are going to be, you know, our goals in terms of CAC, you know, in terms of, and the CAC, you know, you have to understand that it's not just, you know, the, the, depending on how you, you, you structure your campaigns, you know, your cost of acquisition is not that one campaign that is, you know, Optimizing for conversions, right? It's a blended view of all the, you know, the investment that you're making and you need to understand, you know, how that blend view actually performed towards uh, Towards your overall performance and then it's there, but then you model how you scale it, right? The
0: the calculation of CAC is always really interesting because, you know, I see some e-commerce merchants will they're typically looking at the blended view of all marketing and sales expense that go into the acquisition of a customer. And sometimes they're trying to cohort it out into a channel by channel assessment. Do you think it's important that merchants do both of those things where they're always looking at both blended and cohort analysis of CAC? Or do you think it's better for them to stick with a blend?
1: It's always gonna be a blend. And the reason for that is, you know, um, the attribution model and getting the attribution, you know, right is very difficult almost impossible right it's like you know scoring a goal right like who you know who's responsible for the goal is it the person who keeps (laughs) the ball the last or is it all the players who touch the ball in that play right so i think it's you know it's key that people understand the role that different channels play right google has a very specific role right it's very intent based right and you know you're gonna be using them probably at the top of funnel Right. Whereas Facebook, you know, will allow you with certain tools, you know, you can do prospecting at the top, but then you're going to be able to do, you know, pretty smart retargeting at the bottom, right? So it doesn't mean that Facebook is better than Google. It just means that they have different responsibilities in the acquisition of your customer. And you want to be looking at those, you know, as a whole and be looking at, you know, what that relationship is. Have. Because something that we've seen is, you know, the minute we start investing in pay social, organic search goes up. Now that doesn't mean that people suddenly, you know, like started searching for your product more. It just means that a, as a byproduct of people, you know, looking at your product or being presented to your product, they, you know, instinctively is gonna go and search for your product, you know, try to probably find reviews or do other things, you know, as they inform themselves of um, the product that you're in, right? So I think yeah. that's, that's important for you to, to have you, I, I wouldn't say that you evaluate every channel on, it, on its own, on its own right.
0: If you evaluate, I think maybe another way to put that is if you evaluate every channel on its own, you're missing the holistic picture. And so you're, Correct. you're, you're really not assessing your
1: marketing spend all that
0: effectively or all that truthfully. Yeah.
1: And at the same time, you know, yesterday I was talking to, you know, to, to, to a customer and I was saying, you know, they, he was saying, you know, oh how many channels can we go live? And I was like, you know, how much money do you have to invest? Because, you know, like uh, for, for the great majority of people, Facebook is enough, Yeah. right? Yeah. The minute you start going, and depending on the, on the business, right? Obviously, right, I mean, if you're insurance, probably, you know, Google, you know, will take priority because it's very, in, very intent-based. Intent but, but, you know, for the great majority of e-commerce, you know, where you're prospecting at the top of funnel, right, because you, what you're doing is putting your product in front of people, that they probably didn't know they wanted your product or they needed your product but you know you entice them you know with, with something that they will like you know but Facebook has very powerful tools for you to be you know prospecting potential new customers right uh, now I would say go to Google if you have enough budget that you can justify, you know, structuring a proper campaign on Facebook, and then you can use Google on the side, you know, as complementary for that. Right? The same with Pinterest, right? Pinterest is a you know a channel where we're putting a lot of attention, you know, lately because you know on the prospect inside, especially the top of funnel, is great, right? Uh, because you're getting people, you know, with interest-based targeting and things like that that you can do there. Now you want to make sure that you understand, you know, that you know spreading your budgets too thin. You know you're getting diminishing returns on, on the money that you're putting in because you probably would be better by consolidating you know the budgets and being able to you know to put the, that money to work i want one to the channel
0: makes a lot of sense i want to come back to the third the third pattern that you that you mentioned which is um know your audience and also to, to that earlier point don't uh, don't assume that you know your audience as well as you think you do. Um, I think it's such a salient point. We've had a couple of customers who've been really effective at audience discovery by using certain ads, using different content, um, and they've realized that there are actually audiences for their product that they had never assumed would be there. Um, and in some cases, they've disproven hypotheses about audiences they thought would be that they thought would be there. Can you, can you walk us through an example or two of a company that, has, that you've worked with that has done a really good job of identifying hypothetical audiences and then methodically testing those hypotheses and proving and disproving them? And
1: yeah, you, what, are, mean, what think, are kind
0: of the patterns that you see?
1: Yeah, I mean, probably the best example that I have of that is Bear Grylls, right? Like mm-hmm. Bear Grylls is a you know, very well-known celebrity, right? Uh, and when they came to us uh, last year, they came to us with a hypothesis that, given Bear's Grill's popularity and celebrityness, right, that you know, setting up an e-commerce store, you know, under his brand and you know, kind of like with high-quality products, because you know he's a person as such, you know, that want to be associated with high-quality products uh, would be a great, you know, revenue generator for them. Uh, and we, you know, we thought that you know that was a you know strong enough hypothesis to test, right, and to be tested, right. I mean. we've seen the examples, right, of the billionaires, right, the Kardashians and stuff like that, right? So you can justify that that's, you know, influencer type, you know, does have a business in there. Um, Now, one of the things that we did when analyzing their existing audience, right, was that, you know, we said, potentially your audience is going to be, you know, the existing audience that you currently have is going to be very different to the buying audience that you want to, you know, reach to, why? Because, you know, you have your engagement audience and this is why, you know, one of the number one, um, I would say scenes, you know, brand stake is that they focus too much on engagement, right? Engagement don't necessarily translate to sales, right? You want to have, you know, a very well structured, you know, campaigns where you're, you know, you're understanding, you know, and you're almost like discerning, you know, what your engagement audiences are versus your, you know, buying audiences. And that's something that we did with Bear Grills is starting to almost position Bear Grills, you know, with a customer segment that will buy their products, that will buy you know expensive watches, that will buy expensive outdoor gear, because that was you know the quality of the brand that we were setting up with, compared to uh, you know the the audience that engaged with Bear Grylls as a content producer, right? As a, you know, as him as an, an explorer and adventurer and all that. And being able to separate those things, and we did that with a lot of, you know, like interest-based targeting. You know, a lot of prospecting. You know, and starting understanding as you go, and you have to see it as a funnel, right? Like, how do you drip down? You know, on that, on that, uh, on that funnel is key. Um, and again, right? I mean, know your audience, but also, uh, you know, look at the best performing creative. Look, You know, that's something that we've done very, very easily on the platform. Is for you to be looking at. You know, what's the best performing copy, what the best performing creative so from a point of view of results generation,
0: right? So in that in that case, did you find that the, the audience that he'd already had as a content producer, that audience was actually substantially different from the audience that would buy products from his brand? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um
1: so and and, and, what... and, and it's not impossible, right? Sorry. Um, I mean we've been able to build, you know, bare grills in a very, very strong you know, capacity very fast, I would say, you know, in less than six months, like we've hit, you know, every single milestone that we had set as business. But, um, but it was, you know, it took thinking and, you know, time and dicing, you know, at the beginning to be able to get there. And we keep learning, right? With every, every month we keep learning on that.
0: Super interesting. One of the things that you mentioned that I wanted to latch on to is this idea of people over in engagement marketing. Um, One of the things that I think is really hard for brands um, to think about is this idea that um, it's hard to win on product alone. Uh, you You have to build customer experiences. You have to differentiate through brand, given at a product level, most things are commoditized. And it's easier for the customer to buy functionally the same product cheaper and faster delivery on Amazon. And so can you walk us through how you think about the, the relationship between brand marketing and performance marketing?
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean that one, you know, uh, necessarily is better than the other. I mean, performance marketing includes a brand perspective on it or a brand component on it. Because at the end of the day, you know, and something that we tell our customers is, ads alone don't convert the customer, right? it's the product, Is the experience, Is the website, right? I mean, is that checkout experience, right? It's what you stand for, you know, as a brand, right? What will do that? Now, but if you invest, you know, 80, 70% of your budget on engagement, that doesn't mean nothing, right? Because you might, you might be appealing to a whole concept of, you know, or, you know, uh, a segment of, of, a, of an audience that necessarily don't align with the shopping, you know, or that purchase aspect of it, right? So I think, you know, those two things has to be clear. Now, if you're doing what you're doing, right? And more often than not, I mean, a lot of people have different ideas why they do their products, right? But at the end of the day, you, you personally are standing for something, right? And making sure that that, you know, stands out in every touch point that you do with your customer is key, right? Now, that doesn't mean that everything is engagement, right? It means that you're driving people, you know, on a journey to a promised land. And how you build that journey you know, it's going to be, is part of the brand, right? Is the brand voice that you're using. Now, this is why it's key for you to understand and to measure, you know, what are the best performing uh, uh, creatives, you know, what messaging is resonating with which type of audience, right? So that you can segment those those things and be able to drive those to, to completion. But it doesn't mean that one is more, more important than the other, uh, but it does mean that you have to, you know, be looking at the performance as your main objective.
0: I think that's a that's a really helpful answer. So we're um, we're now three, four months into this new world of of Corona nineteen of COVID nineteen of, of the coronavirus. Um, e commerce has been impacted mostly positively. There are some sectors that have been hit relatively negatively, but generally, e commerce is benefiting from a trend to more online shopping. Um, what do you think are the three, four most important changes that e-commerce marketers should be prepared for over the next 12 months to 24 months?
1: Um, that's, a, that's a good question. I think it's, you have to be smarter more than ever in how you spend your money. You have to be smarter more than ever in how you're reaching your audiences, you know? Uh, you have to be prepared to double down if it works, right? Uh, for you to remain alive in many ways, you need to be betting right uh, we're you know I feel like the times we're living is so they're so strange because you know people's uh, consumer behaviors have changed a lot uh, but at the same time you know they're still there they just happen to be different right so it's not like people are not buying you know like uh Something that I was speaking to somebody, even me personally, right? I mean, in this type, in 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 in, in lockdown, you know, I bought like three pairs of Jordans, right? And I <laughs> somehow reconnected with my, you know, with, with, with my kid from high school, you know, and I, you know, it's like uh, something that I would never probably would have done before, right? I mean, I even had to delete the Nike app out of my phone because, of like, you know. But um, it, it is one of those things, you know. Like people are out there, you know. Like somebody was telling me, you know, I'm now buying. Expensive wine deliver at home because I'm no longer going out, you know. And but suddenly I re- you know, I, I I found this whole new world of, you know, great great wine. In our case, you know, we really like our coffee. You know, in the office, you know, if you were to walk in into the leaf office, you always would be greeted with a proper, you know, cup of coffee. Uh, and you know, at home, we've been experimenting with all these different coffee services and you know offerings and stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's it's about being creative, being able to reach to those people. I mean, you have to be prepared that now more than ever, uh, no matter how many boycotts there are, you know, uh, they're, you know, like it's, it's becoming more and more competitive, you know, to, for you to be to be going out there. But also, you know, the shopping patterns or, you know, from the customers have changed and they probably have created the perfect storm for you to, smartly you know being able to 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 navigate that
0: similar question but slight twist imagine um, someone you care deeply about a family member your little brother your little sister a niece a nephew they've graduated from college or whatever they've done after high school they're moving into the new world and they want to start an e-commerce business they want to start a brand they have a good idea what are the first kind of two to three questions that you would ask them uh, to get them thinking about what they have in store as they move into their entrepreneurial journey,
1: um, that's a that's a very good question. Um, and And a lot of things have changed, and especially with with the results that we've seen in the market. Um, I would say you know try to find somebody that have done it before you know and that can help you on that journey, right? whether that's a service provider like ours, you know, who build this and then do this for, you know, uh, or, you know, somebody who's done it. I mean, it's very easy to get out there, but it's very easy for you to waste your money and burn that cash, right? So even if it is, you know, jumping on a call with somebody, you know, who already have done it, uh, one of the things that I have found uh, in this industry is people are very collaborative. Something that is very different to music, right? Uh, Music and entertainment is completely different world, right? Like people, don't collaborate people you know like it's a very network oriented it's like my connections are mine whereas in this one people are very open to say oh like who's handling your marketing i was like oh you know Leaf is handling our marketing you should go and give a call right like for us you know one of our most you know um kind of like effective you know growth channels is, is word of mouth because you know a lot of people you know performance is always you know something that get people talking right? and people are closer. So there are communities out there, but but learn to uh, discern, you know, like there are, because it's such a, you know, exciting world at the moment and all that, there is also a lot of snake oil salespeople out there, right? That will get your money, you know, without anything. So make sure that, you know, you know what you're standing for, you know, the business that you're getting in, you know, understand your unique economics, you know, like, uh, Getting setting a business, you know, either on on Shopify or or selling on Amazon or whatever, you know, it's easier than ever, but you need to understand, you know, what are you walking into, right? Um, For those who are in Amazon, I would say, you know, start thinking very closely on how do you build your D2C strategy, right? Uh, I think Amazon is like Facebook or Instagram, right? Like, those are not your customers. It's not your audience. Those are Amazon, right? So you want to make sure that you build your own, but that doesn't mean that Amazon is, is bad, right? Amazon is great as a complementary revenue channel. Uh, it allows you to test things, you know, pretty quickly because you have a captive audience already, to, you know, searching for those things, but you want to understand Amazon can make or break your business overnight, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's understanding, you know, all the different variables, quote unquote, that you have in front of you. Don't think that just because, you know, setting a Shopify store, you know, costs you like 20 quid and, you know, you're up and running, you know? uh, that's it. It just means that, you
0: know, you're in the long. In. So maybe me may try to play that back. Um, let's imagine your little sister comes to you. She's got an idea for a store. You would ask her number one, who are, who is your mentor and or partner? Number two, um, what are the assumptions driving your business model, especially your unit economics? Number three, do you understand the channels that you would sell through? And number four, do you have a really strong sense of your mission and your purpose with this brand?
1: Yeah, and number five, I'll say, just do it. Just do it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, start it. Well, I mean, exactly, right? I mean, nothing, none of that is going to prepare you for what you're gonna face, right? Right. Uh, At the end of the day, you know, you're gonna learn the most by doing. And it doesn't matter how many stores have we helped succeed. You know, like we don't have the magic formula. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, like a customer that we were onboarding, I was like, look, I mean, if there is a way, we'll find it. But chances are, there might not be a way. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, you have to be very honest, right? That, you know, uh, there is an element, I wouldn't say an element of luck, but although there might be one, right? Uh, But at the same time, you know, you have to be, you have to be aggressive in terms of you know in the way you go, and the first thing that you do is you have to jump on the water, right? And then you learn how to you know as long as you know you know how much death is in that water, you know, and like some some other bits that you, uh, allow you to calculate at least the beginning of it, that's great. But but nothing is gonna replace you jumping on the water, um, and as long as you know you know and that drive and that commitment is gonna allow you to survive as the time passes, right? But I think uh, being able to understand the business, but being in the business, you know, is never gonna be replaced.
0: Terrific advice. Gilbert, thank you so much for being here. One, one closing question that I always try to ask is, is there a book, a film, a podcast, a poem, any, anything that, has, that, that you would uh, say is something that's really moved you and or informed who you are that you'd recommend to, to entrepreneurs that are listening to this?
1: Yeah, there is a book that I read when I was in college uh, called *The Physician* uh, by Noah Gordon, uh, which really changed the outlook of life for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll recommend it to anybody. Is this kid in London in the 1500s uh, who you know loses all of his family? He's been given an adoption to a medical barber, which is was this this kind of like you know snake oil salesman that goes town to town, you know, barbering, you know, removing teeth, you know, fixing, breaking legs. But then he, he, in that journey, he meets, uh, a, an actual medical person, like an actual doctor. Uh, and then he realizes that the thing that he's been just joking with or being, you know, kind of like, uh, being passed by, you know, is actually a profession, but he needed to go to, to Persia to get that. And it's, you know, the book is a whole journey. of how he, you know, Travels for ten years to go and fulfill his mission of becoming a medic, uh, a, a physician. It's uh, you know it's one of those things. Again, it goes back to purpose and about your dream, having a clear vision where you want to go, but also understanding that it takes time and effort uh, to do it. You know, nothing comes overnight. Uh, even those overnight successes, you know, are built on the shoulder of many giants behind you. So you want to be having that in mind. The physician. Yeah, the physician. No, Gordon. <laughs> awesome. All right, thank you so much for being here. Of course, thank you. Right pleasure. Bye.